0: Last time on licensed to parent I think most people confuse walking with somebody and then like condoning or accepting or validating what they're doing You're like it's so I can, I can love anybody through any circumstance that doesn't mean that I need to show them that I'm accepting that. you know I've got gay people that I minister all to all the time and they know where I stand. And, and we respect one another. I respect them as a human being, as a person who is created in the image of God, but they know that I don't condone what they're doing. You know. And so I can walk with them and I can hold their hand and I can pray with them and I can love them. And they know that I deeply love them, but that at no point in time am I, am I risking my Christianity to say that I'm validating or accepting or condoning what they're doing is a big difference.
1: That's our guest, Dave Glander, a devout atheist prior to an experience that completely changed his perspective and life purpose. Now he's a devoted follower of Jesus Christ and serves as a pastor, author, and founder of a youth apologetic summer camp called Equip Retreat. Today we continue our conversation with Dave on equipping our children to defend a biblical worldview with science, logic, history, and the ability to reason. This is Licensed to Parent. And welcome to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long, Christ-centered therapeutic wilderness program for teens in crisis. Hi, I'm Rich Rozell, and our host is the founder and director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry. And Trace, let's get right back to our conversation.
2: Well, Dave, last time uh, we talked about the preeminent importance of introducing our kids to Christ But also about the importance of imparting a biblical worldview. Uh, My question is, what is a a biblical worldview? Uh, For those parents who may not understand that, and why is it so important to living the abundant life in the here and
0: now? So worldview is funny because it's kind of like an up-and-coming term over the past decade where it's starting to catch on a little bit more. And really, all it means is what is the lens that you're using to look through. For instance, if you're if you're blind, you wear glasses because the lens helps you to see something. And so, mm-hmm. a worldview can be a Christian worldview, it can be an Islamic worldview, it can be a, a secular atheist world. You know, everybody everybody has a worldview. I don't care who you are, you have a, a view of the world, right. and it's the lens in which you're looking through. And so, in 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 Christian worldview, you know, we always say something like. If we're looking at fossil evidence to find out, you know, keys about our past, you know, how did we get here? Was it Darwinian evolution or was God created and how long ago was that? we all have the same fossils. You know what I mean? It's not like the Christians have a set of fossils and the secular scientists have a set of fossils and we're comparing one fossil to the other. Right. We all have the same fossils. It's the view in which we're looking at the fossils that determines what we see in those fossils.
2: Some of the premises we we take in the equation. Premises,
0: yeah. Some of the premises, and, yes. And so there's this weird word that I'm a presuppositionalist when it comes to like Bible study, because if you and I are sitting down, I'm presupposing you believe the Bible to be true, mm-hmm. and so do I. So in my in my Bible study time, I'm a presuppositionalist, but in my evangelism, I am not. Yeah. And it's because if I use the Bible to defend the Can't Bible, it's, it's yeah, it's circular reasoning. I'm gonna lose the audience as soon as I start. And right. so in that Christian worldview, uh, it's really important to understand this if if your listener doesn't have the Christian worldview, yeah. you need to share with them what the Christian worldview looks like. You know, what is it that what is it that the Christian worldview is going after? And ultimately, it all points to the person of Jesus Christ.
2: Reaching with things that he can understand. We, we, we won a David and Goliath victory uh, against a major organization about the whole LGBT thing using their tools in their yard. We never used the Bible in the equation and, it was, and we won. Many new arrivals at Shepherd's Hill Academy as well as a lot of parents out there who aren't here will tell us the biggest problem with believing uh, that their kids have with believing in God and his word is that they don't believe in miracles. And you say,
0: You know what's funny about the word miracle is think about this. We live in the natural. And and so we look at things naturally around us and we have natural sciences and all that stuff. God is supernatural in his very essence. He is supernatural. Anytime the supernatural engages with the natural, it is miraculous. Mm -hmm. So when we think of miracles, sometimes people look at miracles like, you know, somebody came back from the dead. That's miraculous. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just simply a change of heart is miraculous because when Christ moves in and takes a believer from, from one position, you know, let's pick something really strong like abortion, you know, and takes somebody's mind and says, I was pro abortion before I met Jesus. Jesus came in and performed a miracle because he changed my mind completely about abortion. So miracles, I think, you know, are we looking for, you know, some angel to ascend down and, and wave a magic wand and yeah. that's what we consider a miracle? Mm-hmm. I, for one, consider a miracle. Anything that God intervenes with, the supernatural, has met the natural, and we call that miraculous. And
2: he often does that with presuppositions. Because sure. the supposition, the presupposition is that we are human beings who occasionally have spiritual experiences uh, that might be someone else's precept. Mine would be, no, we are spiritual beings experiencing a human, a human experience. experience. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, exactly. as, as the Bible says, we're in a place that's foreign to us. Once you're a believer and you've yeah. been filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't yeah. want to be here anymore. Right. Not that I'm wishing death upon myself, right. but I don't belong here anymore. Right. I belong with my Heavenly right. Father. This is
2: not my home. Yeah. But aren't there really only two ways? I mean, speaking of miracles, uh, I tell people, atheists, most kids come here, aren't believers, you know, when they come here. And I said, you do believe in miracles? No, I don't. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Well, okay, how the earth began. And we go into a little, you know, two things collide to where those things come from. you got to keep taking it backwards to the very beginning because I, you know, I'll ask, aren't there really only two ways that matter could have emerged from non-matter or nothing or void or however you want to put it?
0: What are these two ways? I mean – Well, there's not two ways. Okay. Well, Because pro- nothing can't produce something. You, you can't get something from nothing. Well, and, that's, and that's what the evolutionist tries to say is that from nothing, something appeared. And I'm like, okay, can I just make a Cadillac pop out of nowhere? Or any, you know what I mean? Like yeah. You can't get something from nothing. Nothing creates nothing. But, but see, I'm setting them up. I'm going back to their presupposition. Sure. Okay? And I had to
2: basically say, look, there's only two, two ways. From your perspective, something either started from nothing or something, or something always s- was. Yeah. Now, either way, you got yourself a miracle. But my presupposition is there there is something that always was.
0: Well it's Occam's razor. It's the most simplest explanation is usually the best. And if you have to try and extrapolate something from nothing, and I'm saying no, there's something that created everything. Yeah. Mine's easier to to lock into, yeah, like exactly. especially from a logical standpoint. Yeah. it's very easy to lock into the. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the that's the crazy part. Is I lived 30 years without a Christian worldview. I lived in an atheistic worldview for 30 years. Once I began to actually study and, and and trace, the real problem is people just don't study anything. That's true. They just they just maybe they or heard think. it or think or stop think. to think. That's what I try and teach is critical thinking. I'm like, don't just believe what I'm telling you. Go and right. research it. Go and research what your teacher or your pastor, go research what the internet said. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I it hope, was on
2: the internet, so I've got to believe it. I hope this conversation bleeds over into what you're going to be talking to our kids today about. I really do because you know, they need to hear this. And With COVID, I have not been in chapel in quite some time yeah. now. So. One,
1: one thing I wanted to, to toss in, though, in this thought about research it. You're absolutely right. We need to do that. However, I think even today people are forgetting what it means to research because by our own nature, what we tend to want to do is to go and find people who agree with us. And so when we're researching, we're not looking at the evidence objectively. We go and we find articles that say what we already believe to be true, and it's like, yep, see right there, it says it and it proves it. And it it really is difficult for those outside of Christianity on their own to even give it a passing glance when somebody says this is the case until they've seen the life change in front of them.
2: Of course, the millennials that run Google have a presupposition, too.
0: And they're forcing it, on, they're everybody forcing by re- it on everybody by removing else. the information that's exactly. out there challenging it. Exactly. No, I, I use the uh, Waterboy movie as an illustration all the time. Like in Waterboy, the, uh, uh, Fonzie was the, was the coach, and, and, of course, it wasn't Fonzie and the Waterboy, but same, same guy. Anyway, so he couldn't defeat the other coach because back in the day that coach stole his playbook, and because he had his playbook, he knew the plays he was going to be running so he could never beat him. And so I'm like, look, think about that scenario If we have the enemy's playbook, then they can't ever beat us because we know it. And so what I would say, Rich, instead of going out and looking for the information that agrees with you, go out and look for the information that disagrees with you Yes, and see where that information lies for two reasons. One, it's going to solidify your position Mm -hmm. or it'll change it. If the facts lead that direction and that's where you think the facts lead, it might change your position. But the point is, it's going to solidify your position one way or the other. But more than anything... Rich, when I'm talking to an atheist, I usually know more about evolution than they do. <laughs> Surprisingly, when I'm talking to a, a a Muslim, I normally know more about the Quran than they do because it's such an oral community. Mm-hmm. Well, I've right. taken the time to study the Quran to see what it says about Jesus since he's written in there. Yeah. And so my point is, is man, when you know the other person's argument, yeah. then A, it solidifies your position, yeah. which means but it all comes back to research, Rich. Yeah. You have to yeah. take the time To not go out there and look for your own opinion. I I can I can talk to myself in the mirror and tell me what I want to hear, but when you go out and you look at the other person's perspective. And then you can find holes in that perspective, and then you can have a conversation with them, and you know the questions to ask.
2: Our military's most effective uh, units are in reconnaissance. Yeah, absolutely. On the other side of the enemy line. Yep. Um, that, that's exactly right. No doubt about that. Uh, generally speaking, though, don't atheists have a huge advantage in an argument with a Christian uh, since it's much easier to debunk something that's real? than to actually prove something to be real.
0: I don't think so. I mean, they're, oh. they're the ones with the evidence that they have to support their worldview too. Just because you're saying something doesn't exist, you have to prove to me something doesn't exist. And by doing so, how do you explain the fingerprints of a creator that we see everywhere? You have to defend your position yeah, as well. You,
2: now you've brought logic into the equation. See, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and that's what I'm saying. We, we have we have a group of people who have taken really s- logic and science Out of the equation, and uh, it's it's actually ticking off a lot of the liberals these days that they're not even Mm -hmm. following science. But it is easier to debunk something. I can I can tell you, you
0: don't exist. You're a figment of my imagination. You know, and and then I would slap you across the face. Yeah, I'm right here. There's your figment. That's that's my point. That's (laughs) my point. Like you have to defend your position too. And I think that's part of the problem with Christians is Christians feel like they're always the ones having to defend who God is or, or, or or prove the Bible to be reliable. And I'm like, wait. Archaeology has has done nothing but support everything that we've read in Scripture. You defend mm-hmm. how archaeology has done that. Like, it's yeah. up to you to say, if you're going to tell me the Bible is not reliable, then then you have to prove to me why geology or archaeology, rather, has – well, geology, for that matter, too, supports it. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's your, if that's your position, defend it. Yeah. We're
1: talking today with Dave Glander, who is the author of a book called How, Why, and Where. We would encourage you to uh, find this book wherever you find books, and uh, it is a good read. We're going to be back with more with Dave. and. Uh See where this leads, a way to teach you as a parent to live life and to teach your kids to live life through the biblical worldview lens. This is Licensed to Parent. You'll find us, including past programs like our last conversation with Dave, on our website at
3: licensedtoparent.org. Back in a moment. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall to be completed by the end of the year, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and
1: gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet, and that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at Licensed to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at licensedtoparent.org wisephone wise phone. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year long Christ centered residential program working with troubled teens and, by extension, with their families. Our host is Trace Embry, and our guest on today's program is Dave Glander, formerly a devout atheist, now a man totally and radically dedicated to Jesus Christ. He's author of a number of books, including How, Why, and Where, which we've been discussing today. By the way, if you've been hearing thunder in the background from last week's This week's program, we are uh, kind of on the outskirts of a tropical storm that's blowing through the area. So a lot of storm here. But that's the perfect uh, transition to take us into what we're going to call the lightning round as we wrap up today's program. There you go. There's so much to cover in this book. So, Trace, where do you want to begin?
2: Well, we're experts in storms. So... Dave, one of the common uh, objections is the inerrancy of the Bible. How do we actually know the Bible is inerrant?
0: I mean, uh, since it's lightning round, I'm going to be giving quick, short answers. There's been several scholars who have tried to bring up the uh, supposed errancies only to discover that what they thought was an inerrancy really was just more of a matter of interpretation because it was a it's a historical book written in the, in the early. 30s all the way up to the 90s is the dating of it, and so you, when you're reading a first century book and you're trying to put 21st century standards on it, what you think is an error is not an error whatsoever. Right. And so I would say whatever people there's there's books and myriads of books written about yeah. how you know if you thought this was an error, here's the actual explanation. And every time you hear it, you're like, oh, I get it now.
2: Yeah. It's but Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story, the rest of the story. And third. by the 30s, you mean the 30 AD, 30 AD, not 1930, no, not 1930, AD. yeah, no, 30 AD. AD. One popular objection uh, about the Bible um, uh, that, that parents often hear from their kids is uh, who are we to call the Bible, uh, our Bible, the Bible, since there are not only minor differences within many different ver- versions, but some major ones with respect to the Catholic Bible, the Protestant Bible, and the Orthodox Bible. How do parents reconcile
0: that with their kids? So, I mean, the 66 books are, are pretty well accepted across most of Christendom. You've got the Catholic Bible that include the uh, Apocrypha within them, and I'm not one to necessarily reject the apocrypha. I just don't think it's a uh, canonical book. Um, read them though. If if you if you take offense to the fact that you think it's saying something different, then read it. I mean, First and Second Maccabees is is a great book. You know, the the, the Book of uh, Enoch is a great book. Read them if you're offended by that. But
2: without a consensus, how do we? How can we say the Bible?
0: Well, the the 39 books within the Old Testament were established long before Christianity started, so we can kind of just put those in our back pocket and say the 39 books were established long before. So now we, now we move into the 27 Mm -hmm. new Testament books. How do we know that the 27 new Testament books, how do we know that the four gospels were the correct ones? if you were willing to die for a piece of paper that was caught in your back pocket back in that day, Mm -hmm. then that was one of the major standards. Like, again, these are quick answers. There were other gospels floating around. There were other letters floating around, but when they were found in the back pockets of these people, they were like, Hey, denounce this paper or you die. Like, just take Mm -hmm. it, burn it. You know, they weren't willing to die for the document. Mm -hmm. So by 300 years of the first, you know, martyrdom of Christianity, they had established those 27 books that we now read in the New Testament were worthy to die for and, mm-hmm. and and there's a lot more standards than that 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 dictate the 27 books but to me that was the one that always stood out the most to me it was like man cuz again like if if the if i had this bible that you've got in front of me this is a perfect great we got my book in front of you you got the bible in front of you mm-hmm. if you get caught by somebody and says we're going to behead you for this book and it's my book you're going to be like take it you know yeah, what i mean cuz yeah. it's not it's not the authoritative book mm-hmm. great book but it's not the authoritative book But if you were told, I'll behead you over denouncing of the Bible, you'd be like, no, I I can't do that. You know what I mean? So that's that authority that comes with it.
2: And parents, just so you know, there's a much longer explanation. This is the lightning round. So uh, (laughs) how do we reconcile all those difficult passages of Scripture that appear to paint God out to be a cruel, vindictive, and even sadistic God? Case in point, Deuteronomy 20 and 21 were, were... uh, God commands uh, uh, Israel's army uh, to, you know, you find a, a, a gal you think is a sweet little honey, you take her, that's your wife, you do what you want, and then you turn her loose. Uh, or slave her, or, you know, kill men, women, and children. How do we reconcile? Because in our, in our uh, 21st century way of thinking, that seems almost abominable.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, the Bible says God's no respecter of man. And so we need to start there. And then really, the, the answer to this is more spiritual in nature, because we have to understand that when he was commanding that they would go into a new area, and, and not just, just kill the, the, the men, the soldiers, but the wives, the children, the cattle, don't take anything with you. We have to understand the nature of the spiritual seed that was within that. And if he had left, it's it's like cancer. When they go to cut in out of cancer, mm-hmm. if they don't remove all of the cancer, that little stem of that cancer can just regrow. And usually when it regrows, it's worse than the first time.
2: Yeah, I would say the real evil is the, the position that all that stuff put God in and that God always has the eternal perspective and we're looking at just, you know, birth to we're, death. We're,
0: yeah, we're looking at our little narrow view and he's looking at the entirety of it. He knew that if Israel went into those lands and kept even a little bit of that cancer that mm-hmm. was in that land that the entirety of Israel would now be canceled mm-hmm. and then you're also canceling out the arrival of the Messiah through the Israeli nation. And so, it all began with the fall of man. Yeah, and okay. it was it was man's fault that asked for it. Right. I mean, they chose to walk, you know, outside of God's will and worship idols mm-hmm. and, then, and then people turn around and go, well, why did God say they can't exist? It's like, well, because he has the big picture. Here. Right.
2: Much bigger. I mean, it's, 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 when you say big picture, I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, we're uh, uh, an atom and, and God's you know, the size of the sun. I always picture. use
0: this quick, quick illustration picture. where it's like if you were standing here and all of a sudden going down the road, this car went by at 100 miles an hour. And two minutes later, another cop car went chasing him at 100 miles an hour. And two minutes later, another cop car came flying by at 100 miles an hour. Those are three different points in time for you, two minutes apart. So you've got six minutes, well, four minutes have passed from the time of the first car to the second car, or the third car, rather. If you were in a helicopter and went up... Couple thousand feet. Guess what? Yeah. You're going to be able to see the car that's being chased, the first car and the second car that's chasing them all at the same time. Yeah. So when we look at God and His perspective, He's in His God helicopter. He can yeah. see. He can see Adam in the garden and you and I sitting here today on this radio show. Yeah, because you know He know lives I mean? in the eternal now. Yes, yes. He sees right. the He sees the totality of, of it. Yeah. So
2: yeah, uh, a lot of our kids are asking how a uh, just and loving God can send His creation uh, that He's supposed to love. To eternal punishment for a finite crime. So God doesn't say, send
0: like, anybody to hell. People send themselves to hell. Well, it's kind of like what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, God says it's not my will that any should perish, and and He really means that, and He's given an out to every single person. That's the, a much longer conversation, as far as it
2: is. But has, they're going to say as He betrayed His own will by allowing it to
0: happen. No, because we have free will. We there's His will, and His will is perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm actually sharing this with the kids in the chapel in right. just a minute. What the nature of free will is. Mm-hmm. God's given us the free will to choose him or not. How bad would it be if I, if I like determined in my heart that I don't want this Jesus guy. Mm -hmm. I don't like what he stands for. I don't like the idea that he's God and I'm not, and then I cross over and I get before him in my spiritual body now, and I'm standing before him, right? And he's like, "You're going to stay with me for eternity." That would be mean mm-hmm. if I didn't want you. Then now you're going to face an well, eternity. Do you see what I'm saying? In like, my argument, I'm still with Well, he would be just to say, "You didn't want me then. I can't force myself upon you now."
2: Well, Dave, it's one thing to defend the existence of God from Scripture and this this Almighty, all knowing Creator one God, but it's quite another to defend the claim that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be, God in the flesh. How can we assure a kid that Jesus really is uh, what scripture claims he claims
0: to be? Because he claimed that to be, meaning like he said, pray in my name. Now, if I I hope, if I say, Trace, pray in my name, that you would be like, you know, dude, hey, you got to get off my radio show. You're a weirdo. You know what I mean? Or what about, you know, he allowed himself to be worshiped when the the perfume was broken over his foot. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there are certain things that he did. His very charge for why he went to the cross was because he was claiming to be God. And so when we look at his claims, not what the pastor says, the Bible says, when we just simply look at the word, I mean, we've got to go back to the reality of the Bible and if, whether or not you believe it to be a true book, which I right. do. Yeah. So let's presuppose that we all believe the Bible to be a, a real book, a true book and an accurate book within those pages. He makes the claim but not only does he make the claim he allows things to be done to him and through him that if he weren't you know it's CS Lewis he's either lord liar or lunatic mm-hmm. you know what i mean because if he's going to make the claim to be god and he's not then he's either crazy or he's or he which makes him a lunatic or he's lying but the the staunch atheist will say okay he's a lunatic next question a lunatic. Yeah, but the staunch atheist will also say he's a good moral teacher. Well, he can't be a good moral teacher Not, if he's a liar or a lunatic.
2: Maybe, the, but, but, but there are many different atheists with many different takes on him. I'm just saying.
0: Well, I mean, if, you, if we're talking about a true atheist, I would hear uh, my heart when I say this, I would erase the conversation of Jesus altogether and the Bible altogether and go back to the fundamentals of, go. is there a God? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm a classical apologist. I believe in building a foundation and then building on top of that. Right. Well, with an atheist, I don't really talk about Jesus a whole bunch because I've got to get them to see that the possibility that God is the creator of all so things. So
2: we're back to presuppositions yeah. again. This is why they're
0: you're, presupposing God can't exist. I have right, to erase that. Exactly. Then it's, I can tell them about the Bible. Yeah. If there's a God who wrote the Bible, right. then I can say, hey, well, what does the Bible say? It talks about Jesus, you know. And
2: there's a whole different apologetic just for the Bible yeah. than there is for the existence of God. Yep. Yeah. And, and then so, there's
0: a whole another apologetic for the person of Jesus, the birth, exactly life, death, right. and resurrection.
2: What do parents need to, to, to know most with respect to why their kids are leaving the church uh, just as soon as they leave home?
0: Well, I mean, the the number one cause of, of kids not leaving or, or leaving the church when they get older is really just due to a lack of belief and it's and it's fundamentally because when they go to church they're told stories you know mm-hmm. these stories and you know Jonah got swallowed by a big whale oh, yeah. and they have these pictures and Noah's ark looks like an overstuffed bathtub with Noah out of control and so mm-hmm. there's these stories but then the kids go to school and they learn quote unquote facts where the facts of science that darwin supports you know the evolutionary theory and the fact of history the way that the school wants you to learn it, and the fact of it's facts they go to school and they learn facts all over the place when the kid starts to really face life where are they going to turn to fanciful stories or facts
1: i'm I'm feeling like the lightning round led to the hailstorm i'm not sure it's just well i I told you it was going to happen we
2: we got just a few minutes to be in chapel Uh, dave god bless you Uh, God bless your ministry and uh, thank you for being with us and I'm looking forward to what we're gonna be uh, engaged in in just a few minutes. Amen, thank you again. Mm -hmm.
1: Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dave Glander, a former devout atheist and now a dedicated Christian pastor, the founder of Equip Retreat, which is an apologetics youth summer camp, and author of the book we've been discussing, How, Why, and Where. Incidentally, if you missed part one of the conversation, you'll find that on our website at LicensedToParent.org. Now, in last week's program, we mentioned a free video resource from Dave. And if you'd like to get a copy of that, just text the word Adios to 51555. And speaking of resources, we often talk about our parent ministry, Shepherds Hill Academy on License to Parent. That's our year-long, Christ-centered residential program working with troubled teens and with their families. Now, if you feel like you are at the end of your rope as a parent and you don't know where to turn for answers, Shepherds Hill is here for you. We really do have kids who come and stay here for an entire year, living here, going to school here, working with licensed counselors here, and getting their lives turned around. And we can do the same for your child. We work not only with the kids, but with the entire families as well. That way we change the home environment for the better. If you don't know where to turn and wonder if a residential program might be what you and your teen need, Please reach out to us. Go to to LicensedToParent.org and click on the link to Shepherds Hill Academy. And from there, you'll see how to contact our office, talk to a real-life person, and find out more about what we offer. There's no obligation, but we are here to answer any questions that you might have. Now, if you're not a parent of a troubled teen, let me ask you a favor. Would you be willing to help change the life of one? The kids who come here with one foot in the jail and the other in the grave leave here as change agents, actually changing the world for Christ. Now, there's a video on the Shepherd's Hill homepage that shares some of these success stories, and we'd like you to be a part of that change. Your gift in any amount can help change one life at Shepherd's Hill, and when you do that, you change many lives down the line. You can donate quickly and easily by going to our website, licensedtoparent.org, and clicking the Donate button at the top of the page. And thank you in advance. Our guest coordinator on "Licensed to Parent is Daniel Fasina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosl, inviting you back again next time to renew
2: your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.